Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. I know a lot of us have the pandemic in our rearview mirrors. But many industries are still reeling from its impact, especially those that were already surviving on razor-thin margins. For example, the restaurant and service industry. Not only are they still recovering, they're also reckoning that their entire business model might be unsustainable. So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Katie Miller, chef and co-owner of the acclaimed neighborhood restaurant Coquine. And Katie is going to lay out all the unexpected ways her restaurant stayed resilient and got through the last few difficult years. And her choices might surprise you. It's Thursday, April 6th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. So Katie... Uh, you signed a lease to expand your restaurant weeks before COVID hit, uh, but plans change. And Coquine has had to deal with a lot of change and iterations to be what it is today. So can you tell us a bit more about the beginning vision of Coquine to where it is now? Yeah, absolutely. I had the wonderful opportunity to live and work in France for five years. And one thing that I really missed when I came back, the fact that like in Paris, you walk out your the doors of your apartment and you've got the bakery and the butcher and the fishmonger and a cafe and you kind of have Mm -hmm. everything that you really need in your little walking area and um I just kind of wanted to have a to foster that and and have that feeling and a sense of like neighborhood and community here in Portland Mm -hmm. now the press was not in agreement (laughs) oh because because of your fine dining background they were just like here's a fancy lady opening up a fancy place (laughs) yeah was it like that you're just like no neighborhood (laughs) yeah that's that's, that's pretty much how it went actually yeah (laughs) um So the press very much focused on my fine dining background. And I think people's expectations were that we were going to be a fine dining restaurant. And that, I believe, kind of shot us in the foot a little bit out the gates because we were dealing with people's expectations versus what we actually meant to be and wanted to be. Um, Like we didn't have a tasting menu when we opened because we didn't intend to be a a tasting menu restaurant. Um, And people would build their own tasting menus around our prefix menu. And it just kind of turned into a big mess. And so we added a tasting menu just to make it neater, you know? Gotcha. Because you're just like, please don't eat that in that order. That's a smorgasbord (laughs) of of just, (laughs) just, yeah, too much there. Or please don't Uh, order that much food. That's way too much food. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, there was, like you were stating, there was just a lot of uh, expectations. Like, how were you able to shift people's 
you know, towards your vision. I mean, did the pandemic just do that for you? (laughs) Right. Well, you know, what we intended to do was expand the restaurant, mainly build a bigger kitchen because our kitchen is minuscule and like move our espresso machine around to a different side of like the counter, basically like build the bar to where the restaurant could still kind of be a restaurant, but then we could have the like neighborhood coffee shop vibe, but just in a different area. And, um, we had plans drawn. Like, I still have the plans drawn up. <laughs> uh, we never did it because, yeah, Aww. because COVID, you know, shut everything down, made it really impossible for restaurants to get funding. And COVID gave us this opportunity. And, well, I guess we took this opportunity a little bit more so with the parameters that COVID had presented us with. You know, I hate I hate the word pivot. It makes me cringe a lot. But um, I, I'll say it for you. Okay. You pivoted. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And started um, a CSA (laughs) and uh, selling groceries through our website. So basically everything that we would order, we had ordered for use in the restaurant, we started selling to the community, the neighborhood. Like what gave you that idea? Because most people, when they're drowning, they're looking for things to hang on to. And instead you were just like, let me float this. Let me float that. (laughs) You know, it's such a different way of thinking. Um, How did you arrive to that? Yeah, that's a really, that's a good question. I think, you know, our decision to do what we did was twofold. Number one, it was, well, how do we keep our staff employed? And um, number two, you know, the community of farmers that we work with is the lifeblood of cocaine and it always has been. Um, a lot of them sell mainly or only to restaurants or, you know, even if they do go to a farmer's market, the, their lifeblood are big orders to restaurants or to produce companies and not necessarily like a bunch of parsley at a time at a farmer's market. And, you know, a lot of these people are my friends. Uh, And it originally started just with veggie bags. But then, you know, I got a call from the cheesemonger being like, so I guess you don't need an order this week, you know, and it was, I know. And it was like, it broke my heart. So I was like, well, what if, I mean, people would buy cheese, right? I would buy cheese. You know, would they buy eggs? Would they buy our milk? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, our lamb from our lamb guy, John Neumeister, who's just an angel human. Like, you know, all these people just, it, it all kind of flashed through my through my mind. And I was like, well, we can help. And it, it worked. It worked really well. It worked so, mm-hmm. so well that at first we couldn't keep up. Like it was, it wow. was a lot. It was a lot, a lot, a lot. The first two or three months were like, we were selling, you know, 350 veggie bags a week, but in, it really turned into a big side of our business. I mean, it's a solid half of our business to this day. And during COVID, it was two thirds of our revenue was gross, mm-hmm. was veggies and groceries. Um, our, the food we did to go was like a very small part of our revenue. So how have your priorities changed over the past few years as a chef, having to go through the pandemic, having to go through the, you know, reorganization of your restaurant into a market? Like, yeah, I think so. I mean, profoundly, my priorities have changed. Um, So, you know, we're put on these pedestals and we're, you know, there's awards and, you know, lots of press around it and lots of noise and nonsense and expectations. And, um, you know, and we kind of you kind of fall into that. You fall into it and you, and you fall into this, you know, realm of thinking that like those things are important and the awards are important and the press is important. And, you know, to an extent that's what makes or breaks your business sometimes, unfortunately. And, um, you know, whereas we were, you know, certainly trying to be this thing before COVID after COVID and since um, it, for me is so much more about um, our community because our community is the only reason we're still here. You know what I'm hearing, though, Katie, is that your original vision is what happened. Exactly. Like everyone had to stop giving you the expectations. And I love that you're like, oh, we made it. So I could say, no, I'm like, I'm hearing a sustainable model is what I'm hearing. You know, people lose their staff because they're not sustainable, because the vision is larger than the capacity of their staff, you know? 
Um, and it yeah. seems like you found like your sweet spot. Um, but after all this, like, what would it take for your for your operation? I wouldn't see restaurant because it's restaurant market. It's it's your uh, community outpost. Um, what would it take for it to thrive? I mean, do you feel you're there or are you still planning more moves? Um, well, I feel we're close. Um, honestly, staffing is is a big, a big, big issue right now. Um, mm. And I know it's not just me and I certainly know it's not just restaurants. I know that this is a, a thing that that so many people and so many industries and jobs are, are struggling with right now. Um, but um, we have for, you know, we've been short-staffed somewhere uh, since we since May of 2021 when we reopened for in-person. When, and then July, a couple months later in July, we opened the market in-person. I was working in the cash register like five days a week, you know? Oh my and, God. Um, at first, we only had six tables when we opened because we couldn't hire servers. Um, now we are short-staffed in the kitchen. Uh, it's just, it kind of like rotates a little bit, but we're always kind of short-staffed some. It's really hard to hire people right now. What do you think that is? Because I keep hearing that. And since I'm not on the end of like hiring people, mm -hmm. I just know a bunch of people who need jobs. So I'm wondering like what it is about, is it the service industry in particular, but, or I mean, or is I it every think, sector? Like what is it? I think it's a lot of things. I don't think there's a, a neat and tidy answer, unfortunately. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of things. I think there's, um, there's a lot of people who stopped working during COVID, which takes a good chunk of workers out of the economy. And there are a lot of people that left the service industry. Um, and I think a lot of people left the service industry because it's not traditionally a very sustainable way to live. And, um, you know, and I'm trying to change that. I'm really, you know, but it's hard. It's hard because we, we function in a society where restaurants are a thing. And in order to change that conversation, um, you, you can't just like be like, okay, well, I'm not gonna be that thing anymore. Um, because people expect a restaurant to be that thing. And therefore, if you're not, well, they'll just go to a different restaurant, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you just think about the restaurant industry on its surface, it's just not very sustainable in general. And for better or for worse, one thing that COVID really did is kind of open people's eyes to that, I think, and, f you know, force a conversation about it. Um, and and also to force, um, you know, some necessary change in an industry where people work long hours, they don't make very much money, there's lots of toxicity. And, um, <clears throat> you know, those things have always been, it's always been really important to me to, one of the reasons I left fine dining and I just, I, what I wanted to do was build something that existed for the community that we were in. And that included, that includes very much the people who work at Coquine. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about what needs to change so that the restaurants we love can keep their doors open. So like, what do you, what do you think it would take for you guys to feel comfortable? I mean, aside from just like, would it be more customers? Would it be an expansion? Um, I don't know, you know. No, no. Oh no, we're so dizzy. <laughs> You're just like, look, we just stopped spinning. Yeah. This is good. Don't make us think anymore. No. So the market, the market works, and um, it, I'm not super worried about it anymore. Uh, the restaurant, we just we need to be able to open for more days, so we need to be able to staff mm -hmm. more days. Um, we have many struggles, like we do. Yeah. It's hard. I'm not gonna lie, honestly, Claudia. Like 2022 was a hard year. It was harder than 2020 for me. Like what? it. Yeah, it's been it's been really rough. There's well, and it's for so many reasons and so many things. There are the supply chain issues are were really we had 
Oh my gosh. We struggled with like our malfunctioning ovens for over a year. People couldn't get parts to fix them. We couldn't even buy a new, I was just like, fine, I'll buy a new oven. We couldn't, you couldn't get an oven, but, um, staffing is certainly the biggest challenge, mm-hmm. you know, like you'll see, you'll see when you maybe don't see it so much anymore, but often we'd see people being like, we're closed tonight. We just don't have enough staff to run dinner or we're closed. Oh, for yeah. Lunch. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, we just don't. And mm-hmm. we, we had a lot of that, which is part of the sustainability thing. You know, it is, it's yeah. like part of the, our business being sustainable is not burning out the people who are like the key players and, right. um, or anybody not burning out anybody. And, you know, <laughs> I remember one time I had a boss who told me, that in restaurants, you're not making any money unless you're getting your ass kicked. Um, oh, that's and sad. it's so, it is, it's so sad, but it's so, but it's also true. You know, that's why we yeah. cut people when we're slow. We got to get people off the clock. Like you can't, you can't, otherwise you bleed money. Cause we don't, mm-hmm. we don't run, we don't run with these like, you know, safety nets that most businesses run with, um, where if someone calls out sick, it's okay. No, some, that person is working in that station in the kitchen. And if there's nobody to work that station, then how do you run dinner service? Yeah, you know, you're a little screwed. You're a little screwed. Um, Should we just put it out there? Cocaine is hiring. Obviously, <laughs> your boss would be Katie, and she's awesome. Oh, thanks. Something to, something to think about. I'm going to put it out there that Cocaine and pretty much every other restaurant in Portland and the world is hiring. <laughs> <laughs> so pick one. <laughs> okay. Any advice for hope for oh. people who want to start restaurants? Would it be just don't? Would that be the advice or no, you know, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time over the past couple of years, really like worrying about our industry, you know, like being, being like, well, what if restaurants just, it just turns out that's not a thing that can happen because, you know, because people don't want to pay what it actually costs to run a sustainable restaurant, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's real. That's a conversation we need to be having, but, right. um, I think my advice would be um, focus on sustainability, you know, um, and focus on that from day one. Don't say, oh, well, it's going to be like this for a little while, but it'll get easier because we all say that um, you have to focus on profitability because obviously unpro- unprofitable businesses don't survive. Um, but if you can't create a profitable business that's sustainable, like abandon ship, that's just not it's not going to work. And you're going to be right. square peg around holding it for too long. Um, and I think like I've had this thought many uh, other times um in my career uh because and i've been a bit outspoken about this but you know there's this like the the phenomenon of the food festival where chefs are all expected to work for free we all want exposure and we all want to you know be part of the conversation because that brings people to our doors and it does and that's sad you know sad Mm -hmm. that we're expected to do these things where we work for free just to get people in the door but um but for me i was like well what like your business model is not sustainable you know, yeah. it is not, you need a new business model. Cause if you can't just pay the people who are working your event, wh- yeah. what are you doing? You and I, 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 I love this. I'm seeing the connection. So you're basically saying capitalism isn't going to do it for you. Yeah. So if you're going to open up anything, value your time, Yes. Uh, make sure it's sustainable and make sure to help out those around you, like your actual staff. Cause they're the ones who, yeah. who help build you up. And you know, Claudia, I realized that like, it can, it may sound like I'm preaching from a place of privilege because we have, you know, we're eight years in and things are certainly a lot easier for us now, but, but, um, you know, we provide, like we provided health insurance for our employees less than a year after we opened. Um, and we have a completely pooled house, for example. So our kitchen gets a good share of the tips. 
Um, so there's a lot of things that we focused on from the very beginning um, of ways to make things more sustainable. And um, I just don't think it's impossible. Uh, let me put it that way. And I do think that if more businesses saw it that way and made that effort, it would become more commonplace and it would become easier for everybody to do it because, because it would be, um, it would just be the way things are and people would need to charge the price that that, that, that uh, requires, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the point is that restaurants are special. They're kind of, they're special. Like having somebody cook you dinner and clean up after you, that is special. <laughs> like, yeah. That shouldn't be something that is cheap or that comes at, you know, and I honestly, I kind of don't think it's sh- something that sh- should be an everyday thing. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the, and there's a place in the world for like the grab and go sandwiches, of course. Yes. Uh, but those things also should support the people who like make the ham that you put on the sandwich and bake the bread. And like, if you, if that isn't sustainable, then we're just feeding this vicious cycle of, you know, of people showing up and doing a job that's undervalued and not getting, not getting paid enough to pay their bills. Like, which I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> Well, Katie, uh, I, I'm really glad that we got to, to chat. I've been curious about how things are going, and I'm <laughs> glad to hear that they're going well. Thank you, Claudia. And now for your microdose of news. New data shows that Oregon's unhoused population grew by 23% between 2020 and 2022. The survey also shows that Oregon has the highest percentage of unhoused families with no shelter at all. That means they're most likely living in a tent or a car. And none of the five members of Portland City Council have ruled out a run for mayor next year. That includes current mayor Ted Wheeler, who, if he did run, would be seeking a third term. When the city's form of government changes next year, yes, hooray, Every single elected office in Portland will be up for election, leaving our current city commissioners with the choice of whether to run for the new city council or mayor or nothing at all. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. Slim's.